And he's like, nope. Um, he's like, I always, I'm always uh, substituting for Roberta. You know, you don't, you can go home or whatever. He's like, well, I'll never work here again. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantees implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. Gentlemen, what, uh, what seems to be the problem? Bicycle accident, fractured tibia about five inches below patella. Hmm. Dr. Harris. Yes? Do you concur? Uh, concur with what, sir? With what Dr. Ashland just said. Do you, do you concur? Hello, everybody. Hey. How is it going out there today? It's Recotopia episode 45. Mm-hmm. I'm Chris Atkinson. And I'm Jeremy Scott. <clears throat> And uh, once again, welcome all of you who are uh, coming to listen to us live and watch us live mm-hmm. uh, this time on a Monday and not a Tuesday, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, usually it's Tuesday, but today is Monday. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you guys uh, for uh, uh, coming out to uh, listen to us. Jeremy, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing well, except for the butt-ass freezing cold temperatures outside right right i mean and we here in tennessee don't even have it as bad as other uh more northern states do but it still sucks when it's it sucks when it goes to the 20s here it sucks where our skin is not ready for it it's not it's it's it wasn't made for it so no we don't do it yeah uh anyway do you have any small recommends for us today it's no big deal it's so small and light it's small it's tiny it's petite it's weak do i'm so excited about the small recommends i have told you several times now that with my brother's uh kid going to college in this area i get to see my mm. brother a whole lot more and when I, my mm. brother and i get together we do movies we watch movies and uh this time was a quick pickup for christmas break so we only had one movie and my brother and my wife and i watched guillermo del toro's pinocchio Ooh, okay. um <clears throat> historically del toro is hit or miss for me when he hits uh he really hits like nightmare alley um i don't really want need to talk about the missus um but this is the hit uh i would say i fell just shy of loving this i think uh ewan mcgregor is a standout voice in in he plays the cricket uh but who david bradley is the guy that steals the show he plays geppetto this is the guy you know is walder frey on game of thrones Mm. or the caretaker guy in uh, harry potter yeah and he is wonderful as geppetto in this um stripping away all the disneyfication of this story really makes the story sing uh we recently went through the original uh, to make a video and and i was struck by how freaking weird it is and it's just it's mm-hmm. that classic disney tripping balls kind of weird uh <clears throat> but you strip all that away and you get back to kind of the root of the story um and this movie spends a lot of time on his real son carlo mm-hmm. uh who he loses before he makes pinocchio uh this is a musical and it takes balls to write new songs 
to go along with this story when there are beloved ass songs that go along with the story and they do an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're funny. They're whimsical. Um, there's a kind of commonality amongst them, like in the sense that it feels like they're all part of the same album, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> at one point I turned to my wife and I said, what about Beer Donkey Island? There's no Beer Donkey Island in this version. Oh. Of there is instead, actually, the movie sets th- these events in fascist Italy. Um, and uh, again, I think that really uh, boosts the stories, messages, and themes. I loved, I liked it a ton. I don't know if I loved it, but it has mm-hmm. stayed with me for days. And I give it two thumbs up. It's on Netflix. Uh, and you can watch it and I suggest you. Okay, okay. I don't know when I'll get around to this. I, 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 I don't know. I tend to, you know, if a movie's been made a million times, I have a hard time. Even if it's like wonderfully lush and new retelling of the of the classic right. story, I'm just like, okay, I, I guess I'll watch that one day when, you know, way off into the future somewhere probably. But I, you know, if you're gonna recommend it today, I may bump it up the list a little bit so it's um um, i will say and i should have said uh from a visual standpoint it's the most stunning piece of stop motion animation i've ever seen yeah um and that is worth watching alone i i I think i said to my brother afterwards the animation is so much better here than in something like nightmare before christmas but nightmare Mm -hmm. before christmas grabs my heart in a way that this one didn't quite right control though so yeah okay all right. Um, all right. So uh, I, I've watched like a million movies in the past week. And then there, there's like a couple that I'm like, these are pretty good. I don't know if I want to recommend them. There's a lot of that going on right mm-hmm. now or, or movies that I think might be great, but like they might have a lot of problematic stuff in them nowadays. It, mm. It's kind of like, Oh God, do I recommend this? Because I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not opposed to watching these movies with things like that in them. Um, so I watched the entire dirty Harry, uh, franchise, uh, for the past over the, over the weekend. Wow. Uh, this past past week. Um, and, uh, these movies now I'm, I'm recommending dirty Harry, the first one here, 1971, but I would actually recommend all five of them Mm. Um, just because they're fascinating movies to watch. Um, I, there's something about now, There's no, I don't think there's any, um, coincidence that all five of these movies came out during Republican president regimes. Uh, the first three came out during Nixon and the last two came out during Reagan. Mm. And, um, and, uh, they, the first, the, the, uh, the first one is, is, is pretty much a sort of a straightforward cut kind of uh you know serial killer story except it's a guy who's like a sniper and he calls himself scorpio and he's killing people and he's leaving messages and and clues and notes and stuff like that uh and uh and he's and he's i will kill somebody again if you don't give me a hundred thousand dollars which in 1971 was like a billion i think (laughs) um but uh but the movies are set in san francisco and there is no doubt why these movies set in san francisco when you watch them because san francisco is the biggest liberal city known to man right ah so harry callahan is a guy who likes to get results right we saw we see in the simpsons they spoofed this when they made the mcgarnagle thing back in the day <laughs> the uh uh 
uh, these movies are set in San Francisco so that Harry Callahan, guy who wants to get results, and all you should care about are the results. Mm. Um, you shouldn't have to deal with the politics uh, and the, uh, and the you know, you know, like trying, you know, they these movies believe that every criminal that gets into the San Francisco court system gets off easy for some reason. Mm. Like that's the kind of movies these are like every single time they're like, Oh man, we had that guy dead to rights. And then we just, we just, Oh, we made a few cop errors. Like we didn't read that guy as rights and we violated all sorts of other things. We knew he was guilty though, but they let him off on that technicality. And you're like, yeah, of course you did. Of course you let him off. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the first one, the first one has the, you know, the, the famous, uh, did I shoot? I know what you're thinking. Did I shoot five of my bullets or six? And uh, yeah. this is the 44 Magnum. It's it's most powerful handgun in the world. It'll blow your cl- head clean off. And the question is, do I feel lucky punk? Uh, all of that. And then, uh, the, you know, they try to top it. It seems like with each successive movie that each one of these movies, it feels like has, um, has some sort of famous line in it, but it's fascinating to me to watch these because of the politics of them, where they believe that every, like criminals are just out there openly doing criminal shit in front of cops constantly in the, in these movies, hmm. like, like that's the kind of world they live in. And, and when Harry, when Harry shoots that guy out in the middle of the street, it's like, oh, why didn't you read him his rights? And, you know, it's like, you know, or why didn't you do, why didn't you go through the court system? You know, because, oh, he's going to be let out anyway. Anyway, he's a complex character. I think it's really interesting to watch it because a lot of times he's, he has racist tendencies and he has sexist tendencies, but he does seem to like give everybody a benefit of the doubt a lot of the time of course they always give him a partner in each one of these movies it's always a minority or it's a woman and he has to deal with that you know oh how is harry callahan gonna deal with having a minority as a partner oh no what's gonna happen um and it just seems like he's basically decent to those people even though he gives them a lot of shit anyway these are fun movies that you, you can't deny their um, you can't deny their influence over all sorts of movies that came mm. later, especially like Lethal Weapon and things like that. Um, uh, I think they I think they are worth a watch. Uh, they the politics are very strange and hilarious to me a lot of times. Mm. Like they're right wing versions of what liberals are. Like that's what the liberals are in these movies. So it's mm. a lot of that. Like, oh yeah, it's that, it's that liberal judge who like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. They're fun to watch. They're fun. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, my, uh, my second small recommend, uh, I'm bringing back uh, a food recommend. I'm I'm bringing Mm. you a recipe. Mm -hmm. I've made it three times now and each time, uh, to great success and I've perfected it now and it's Mm. my fried bologna sandwich. I I hate bologna, uh, and it's in its original form, in its true form that most kids eat growing up, bologna sandwiches. My brother loved them. I hated bologna. Hated it. Mm-hmm. But my dad, sometimes when mom was gone, would fry bologna. Mm-hmm. And I always thought he cut little edges around the outside so that they would crisp up more and make it a little mm-hmm. crunchy. But it's actually, you do that so that the bologna doesn't um, like get air into it and curl. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I have not had bologna or fried bologna since I was a kid, but I remember that dad's fried bologna tasted more like bacon than it did bologna. Mm-hmm. There's this restaurant near me that serves fried bologna sandwiches only on Wednesdays. And mm-hmm. I never managed to be there on Wednesday, but they were, everybody raved about these bologna sandwiches and then that place closed. So oh. I set about a week ago, two weeks ago to make my own fried bologna sandwich. And this is what I do. You got two pieces of fried bologna. Make sure you get them good and crispy. After they're both good and crispy, you stack one on the other in the frying pan. You throw a slice of white American cheese on there. Now, white American Mm -hmm. cheese is not identical in flavor to yellow American cheese. Mm -hmm. Don't be fooled. There's different fat content. There's different saltiness. Then over in this other pan, you've got a fried egg. And if you want it a little runny, go for it, honey. If you want it solid, fried hard, that's fine, too. Oh, fuck yeah, you're going to have it runny. Now, here's the... Here's the thing that I think makes the sandwich is that I found these French bread hamburger rolls at Publix. And mm-hmm. you and I both had that Rotiers burger that yes. Bobby Clay raved about was a burger on French bread, right? Mm-hmm. So this is French bread. And I think that makes all the difference. I put the bread down in the pan, mm-hmm. get it a little bit crisped up in that bologna juice. I've already slathered a little bit of mayonnaise on that bun and then one swipe of mustard. Pile it all together, and that is, I'm telling you, that's freaking heaven. I, nope. uh, I'm going to, I can't make it frequently because, listen, and fried bologna and eggs, not very good for you. But. Coming from someone who doesn't like bologna, this still sounds delicious. Um, it, it will blow your mind. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're doing all the things that you're doing with that bologna, like, I can't just, can you, can you pull out bologna out of, like, a regular package and just start eating it? Personally, no, but yeah. you can. Yes, it's totally no, fine. No, no, I'm saying, do you? Do, oh can no, you God, do no. that? Is that you? Is that a you thing? Because I couldn't possibly like no. that's not that's not a thing for me. But like, yeah, the idea that you could like cook it and put eggs on it and all that. I'm telling really, you, man. If really you're good. ever out anywhere and you see a fried egg sandwich on the menu, if, mm-hmm. you, if you're not up to making this yourself, uh, give it a shot because it's mm-hmm. it's not like bologna. It's like bacon. It's like heaven. okay. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Um, randomly, uh, I rewatched a movie that was sort of all the rage uh, 15 years ago. I can't believe it's been this long. Um, when I first watched it, I enjoyed it. And in fact, I'm probably even put it in my top 10 list of that year. Hmm. Uh, but it was one of those that sort of felt like it had faded from memory for me. Like it wasn't nearly as funny as I remember and, and whatever, but, uh, 2007's Juno, uh, mm. I, I rewatched, uh, and, uh, and, uh, this is, it is every bit as funny as I remember it being that's, uh, that it's, it's like even got moments that I just, I forgot completely about in it. But, um, for those of you who, who don't know the story of Juno, this stars, uh, the now Elliot page at the time was Ellen page. Um, and, uh, she is pregnant, uh, but from her, uh, like her, it's not her boyfriend, but it's her friend, Michael, Sarah, they have, they started a little bit of a, uh, of a relationship beforehand. And, uh, they, on one night they had sex, uh, she got pregnant. And then of course the, the big decision comes down to the fact of like, okay, 
do does she keep it or does she uh does she get an abortion or does she uh she have the child and give it up for adoption and she ends up wanting to give it up for adoption to this couple played by jennifer garner and jason bateman um and jennifer garner this is probably the best performance you've ever seen mm -hmm. jennifer garner mm -hmm. uh uh, she, she was obviously became, uh, semi-famous for alias, uh, just before this. Uh, but in her movie roles, I don't, I can't really pull out like one, like great performance except for this one. Mm. Um, she is, uh, she, she is someone who really wants to be a mom, could not, could not conceive. Um, and there's a really like heartbreaking kind of moment at the beginning that where Juno's just kind of trying to be funny and everything. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, she says something to the effect of, Oh my God, you're so glad you're not in this condition to her. And Jennifer, you, the camera, it cuts to Jennifer Garner and she looks at her like that, that hurts me into my core, <laughs> but I'm not going to let you know that, uh, you know, and just, and just sort of like looks at her like, okay, you know, whatever. But, um, but, uh, it's, you know, Juno is, uh, I mean, she's just funny all the way through it. Just like a lot of like great lines all the way through, uh, the, the little rain Wilson cameo that's in there. He's mm. placed some like gas it, not gas like a, a grocery store clerk or something like that. <laughs> and this is like, so that's uh, he's like, looks like you're going to have a baby in the oven, little home skillet and all that type of stuff. A little like, uh, little rain wilson isms and stuff like that um but uh but great performances from allison janney who plays juno's stepmom mm -hmm. uh, jk simmons plays her father um uh olivia thurlby is is her is her best friend of course michael sarah we already talked about um and uh yeah jennifer garner jason bateman plays like you know he literally plays sort of an arrested development kind mm. of guy in this where he's obviously not really into having a kid uh as much as his wife is but um diablo cody had a huge writing debut i think this is jason reitman who directed it um uh and uh it's just i mean it's tremendous it's like it's it's funny and it's like touching towards the end i i was emotional at the end of this movie um the way everything the way everything resolves and so yeah i i here, here we are 15 years later i'm recommending juno i uh i watched this with my wife on video um after it came out on home video the year the year it came out we both really liked it i'm not sure i've seen it since but one of the biggest laughs i've ever gotten out of any movie was when uh jk simmons says and i'm gonna punch that bleaker kid in the wiener next time i see yeah. you <laughs> yeah and that between that and the goddamn time traveling robots that gives jk simmons like two of my favorite top 10 movie <laughs> quotes of all time yeah um yeah i need to go back to juno it's definitely uh one that i i've waited too long well it, it felt like it was one of those movies just for that time it was kind of a fad kind of thing and there's a lot diablo cody writes in this way of like lots of off the wall pop culture references all the way mm -hmm. throughout a lot of like very uh of the time kind of things and um i don't know it held it held up for me uh on this one even though it has that kind of uh that kind of vibe uh uh and so anyway yeah uh there you go there you um go. <clears throat> all right on to the 
Big recommend. I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Um uh the uh the movie is Catch Me If You Can, Steven Spielberg. Uh, directing Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. That's a that's a big one-two punch right there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so uh, DiCaprio plays Frank Abagnale Jr. They do this thing at the very beginning where he's on the To Tell the Truth program, and there's three guys who all claim to be Frank Abagnale Jr. And they go through the they go through the a summary of exactly what this person you know what this person did and you have to t- you have to figure out which one is telling the truth and which one is the liar and so on and so forth um and um basically uh it, it starts off with just his family life at the beginning his dad owns a store and it's a and he's being looked at by the irs and uh he is uh they're about to run into some money troubles and mm. they have basically it looks like kind of an idyllic family life the you know it seems like uh it seems like uh, his parents love each other and everything like that but the money troubles are obviously starting to come home to roost and there's even a point where uh christopher walken who plays frank abagnale senior obviously um tries to sort of like con his way into some some uh, into a bank loan at the near the beginning of this movie um and uh and he is unsuccessful no matter how how suave he is or how suave he thinks he is um he uh is unsuccessful and they have to sell a lot of things including their house and eventually this starts to leading to the breakdown of the marriage uh frank's uh mother starts uh cheating on on uh on her husband with uh josh brolin uh character uh who's uh who who is a friend of uh Chris james brolin yeah james brolin i said Josh for a second there. <laughs> I said Josh, didn't I? It says James Brolin. Um, so, uh, you know, so during this opening thing, did you get, I don't know if you got like some road to perdition vibes almost, even though like uh, Frank Sr. isn't really going out to teach his son how to right. do these cons. Uh, he's obviously learning things yep. about the system during this whole thing. And the, uh, when they try to get that suit for him to go to get the bank loan and everything, he's trying to go to a, um, a store that is closing and he does this trick where it's like, I just found this out in the street and shows this like real pretty necklace with the heart on the end of it. It's like, it looks like, uh, you know, what's the word, what's the phrase they all, he always use. It looks like it fits right, right around your neck or something must like slipped right off your wrist. Must, uh, must have slipped off, yeah. And so, <laughs> So it somehow this works. This is an actual charm that works on people, <laughs> works on women specifically, uh, to get people what you want. Um, and, um, so he learned some of this stuff, but like, yeah, this is, he, he, I think he, at first he's, he's trying to go to school and, uh, and he's, uh, he's immediately bullied, but then he is, uh mistaken for the he, he starts to take over the the uh substitute teacher's duties at a french class uh to to uh basically get back at the bully like hey you pushed the teacher on the way right. in and mm-hmm. uh and 
And so like it shows the actual substitute coming in and she says, I thought that uh, Roberta needed a, needed a substitute today. And, and he's like, Nope. Um, he's like, I always, I'm always uh, substituting for Roberta. You know, you don't, you can go home or whatever. He's like, well, I'll never work here again. Um, <laughs> And the next scene, I love, this is one of my favorite lines of the movie is the principal is talking to Frank's parents and says, for the past week, your son has been teaching the French class. And he's like, and he's like, even set up a, a field trip to a French bread factory. (laughs) Um, and uh yeah and then i see in the comments people are saying this works yeah i i I always wondered why the substitute didn't just go to the principal's office and say you got somebody else to teach the class uh you know and then you know and then they go and find that frank is teaching the class and they kick him out or whatever uh for doing so at the very so he's but with all these money troubles, Frank starts trying to sort of invent a new life. And what I like about the movie right off the bat is he's not a great con man off the bat. They show him failing constantly at the beginning. And he's just basically when he's doing all this, he's learning the system. He's learning what people accept and what mm. people don't accept. And he's learning all the little details along the way. And one of the big details he learns is like how to cash a Pan Am check uh that's like you know that's like a you have a you can cash a personal check for a hundred dollars you can cash a payroll check for 300 or whatever and so it becomes incumbent upon him to be able to forge these checks Mm. and be able to cash them for the max amount and so he does a lot of like razzle dazzle with some with some checks that are like nearly perfect um and he is able to cash these things and to a point where he's gotten to the point of $1.3 million is one is one amount that is, is uh, heard. Tom Hanks who plays Carl Hanratty is, uh, is an, is it FBI? It's FBI. Um, he is an FBI agent who is working in this, uh, this bank fraud division and he is going through all of this bank fraud stuff and hit, obvious that he's not taken seriously and his line of work is not taken seriously in fact the team that he that he's given which is a very small team one of the guys was sent there because he was being punished and another guy was just doing stuff he was just uh uh researching supreme court clerk uh like uh applicants or something like that and they sent him they sent him as a as a guy so the the FBI doesn't really treat this bank fraud thing as a big deal, apparently. Like, they don't think it's worth their time. Uh, and I guess this is in the 60s. There's probably a lot of things they're, they're, they're looking into other than bank fraud. They don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. But, uh, but yeah, Carl Hanratty at one point goes to see uh, uh, Frank's somewhat now estranged mother at mm-hmm. this point and, uh, and uh, is... Um, and, and says, she says something like, I just got a job over at the bank or, or the, the Bible club or the church or something. I don't remember what it was I'm like. I'm working some... part-time at the church now. I think she says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he goes, how much does he owe? And Carl Hanratty turns around. Uh, he owns about $1.3 million. And, and then he just closes the door. Um, uh, so, uh, so basically this is all, he's just going through this, uh, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, check forging stuff. At some point, uh, he tries to get off of that, and he he becomes a 
attending physician at a at a, a for a, like the graveyard shift at a hospital uh and he and you see him he's he trains a lot of this on a lot of this stuff by just watching tv and movies uh a lot of times so he's he's watching he watches some sort of tv show with physicians on it so that he can kind of get some lingo down but he he totally fakes a resume to get this attending physician uh job where he won't really ever actually have to be required to do anything other than quote unquote babysit a whole bunch of interns and nurses and things like that um and and and, and even the one moment where they, they believe that he's needed he just goes out and has two guys play off of each other the whole time mm -hmm. uh you know they say well uh you know what what happened to his leg well this is what happened to his leg and it's like and it's like do you concur and that's all he knows do you concur and he goes what do you mean no i concur he's like well yeah he the the kid told us what happened he's like oh, okay he said well do you concur and the guy the other guy's like yeah i concur and he's like okay well then it doesn't look like you need me uh at all so uh you go ahead and do and the guy like gives up a solution to the problems like, yeah that sounds really good all right that's it uh, i it doesn't seem like you need me here so i'll uh i'll move along i don't know if you noticed this about this scene you know he's obviously not uh happy to see all this blood and gore everywhere right. uh, in the in the hospital scene Rem very reminiscent of how he re he acts in the departed when jack nicholson takes that hand mm. out uh and starts yeah. you know it's got that it's got that sort of like i'm grossed out but i can't show you that i'm grossed out because i i see this all the time and right. this is not a you know uh so it's interesting that he's been in two scenes like that um uh when he's at uh as he when as he's a uh, when he's a physician, he runs and he, uh, he falls in love with Amy Adams. Who's a nurse, uh, a nurse there. He, uh, uh, they, they actually have a, a, a relationship that, that blossoms. She thinks that he's Frank Connors. Um, and, uh, and he gets to the point where he even meets the family out in new Orleans. Martin Sheen plays Amy Adams, dad. Uh, um, and uh and it's all sort of a run-up to him asking uh martin sheen's uh permission to marry her and all that and uh but at this point this is where carl hanratty is almost on like has almost gotten to him and uh and uh he has to like come clean at the end and and it just keeps on going past that he's like he passes there's a point where even during this martin sheen thing he passes the bar in louisiana he's like a lawyer but that is a really funny scene where he's he's does this whole thing this whole ladies and gentlemen of the jury and all this <laughs> and then the judge is like son this isn't a real this isn't a this is a pre-trial there is no jury there is no defendant he's like he's like what the hell's wrong with you and i love the look on dicaprio's face he never gives away <laughs> at all that he's upset about this or anything he's just sitting in that chair the whole time um there are uh i mean yeah, obviously we're getting to a point where hanratty ends up uh finally corralling him and everything and it gets him to work for the fbi to find uh to help him with bank fraud and everything like that i am skipping over a hundred million scenes but i want to get your uh takes and your and your uh and the scenes that you want to bring up on this i love um <clears throat> okay so recently i saw a, a video that was going viral 
of these guys attempting to prove um, how willing humans are to look away. Mm-hmm. And so they just walked with this big ass ladder wearing overalls and tool belts into movie theaters, banks, office buildings, department stores, and no one ever stops them. No one ever questions them. They watched an entire movie and then walked out with the ladder. They didn't pay Mm -hmm. nothing. Just people see two workmen with a ladder and they go, they were supposed to be here. And I feel like that encapsulates Frank Abagnale, at least in this movie. Uh, I find a lot of uh, the movie is fictionalized. The more you dig into uh, Frank Abagnale's real story. And there's yeah. even questions about his claims of some of these cons even being real, which I think would even be a bigger con if you convinced everybody you were the world's greatest con man, but you never pulled a con. Um, mm-hmm. But in this movie, he sees how much respect a pilot gets. And he realizes, he deduces, if I were a pilot or just looked the part, Mm-hmm. There will be fewer questions, fewer roadblocks. People are much more likely to just believe what I say. Uh, and he, he he scams his way into a, a pilot's uniform, and he starts making those payroll checks you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite scenes is when he goes posing as a student reporter and interviews the head of Pan Am. Yeah. To learn more, he's getting all this intel about how Pan Am works, and now you mm-hmm. need this badge, and these people get this access. And the dude just thinks he's a high school news reporter, so he's giving him all this stuff. Yeah. And then I love that the president says, I don't even know why people are asking me. He doesn't even fly Pan Am. He flies all the other airlines. So yeah, he's smart yeah, enough yeah. to use Pan Am as his cover, but not try and scam Pan Am. Yeah, there's just so many intelligent decisions he makes along the way, and and the movie. I love that the, the movie gives us a reason. He has this father, who is intended or not a bit of a con man. Um, in reality, that's the exact opposite. The first person Frank Abagnale ever conned was his dad. Um, mm-hmm. But in the movie, it, it works perfectly to give us a reason why we should root for this kid as he goes mm-hmm. about stealing 1.3 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the scene where he actually, Hanratty actually does catch him in the apartment hotel. Mm -hmm. And there there are so many red flags that Hanratty sees. And yet by this point, Frank has learned that confidence really matters more than your uniform or, you know, whatever job you're pretending to be, if you fake it enough, people will just buy it. And that's exactly what happens here. Hanratty yeah. is not a field agent. He is not trained to act on those kinds of instincts. Um, and so Frank slips away at the very end, cleverly using his blind neighbor and a bit of, you know, subterfuge. Um, <clears throat> I love the relationship with him and Amy Adams. That actually yeah. feels legit to me. I believe mm-hmm. those two characters actually love each other. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's why Martin Sheen's character believes it, because I think the love is real, even though Frank's persona is all mm-hmm. fiction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was reading about one of the things that always grosses me out is that kiss between the two of them. Um, where she just eats his face off. Yeah. And in the IMDb trivia, it said that to get that, Spielberg told her to pretend she had been starving to death and she was now eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> 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 so he sets up with her 
you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I haven't been on a level with you, but I, my love for you is real. Meet me in mm-hmm. the Miami airport uh, tomorrow at 11 a.m. or whatever day. And he goes there and he sees her standing there and he almost goes to her. He gets out of the car and then he sees a very obvious FBI agent walk behind her and whisper something to her. And he realizes, oh, no, they got her to turn and I'm going to be arrested if I come in here. So does mm-hmm. he give up? Does he go to another airport? No. He goes to a local university and recruits stewardesses in a fictionalized stewardess ambassador program and waltzes through the airport right in front of all the agents hiding Mm -hmm. behind eight beautiful stewardesses. uh, The movie glosses over a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, where did he get those uniforms? Once he uses them (laughs) to get to the plane, what happens to them? Do they not immediately go to Pan Am people and say, hey, we're supposed to be flight attendants for the ambassador program, but um, Pilot Frank just uh, got on a plane without us. Um, But I don't really care uh, because it is there is a cat and mouse element to this movie. And Hanratty basically catches him three times. He catches him in Mm -hmm. that apartment. He catches him at the wedding where he barely slips away. And then he catches him in France. Um, And just the juxtaposition of these two characters um i think really works they don't spend much screen time together Mm. but uh they're acting together a lot of the phone calls christmas eve phone calls and things like that Mm -hmm. but just you know he becomes obsessed with proving that bank fraud is a big deal and by to do that he's going to catch this guy this whale who's doing it and they end up basically forging a relationship um that betters both of them by the end um i uh I also wonder why Martin Sheen doesn't hear from the judge about that scene you talked about. Yeah, <laughs> where, yeah. Where there is no jury, there is no defendant. I feel like mm. in real life that judge is calling Martin Sheen going, just what the hell is your son-in-law doing or your future yeah, son-in-law yeah. doing? But I just love I how... Do. He... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just love how he, he shifts and waltzes from one prestigious occupation that gains respect to another. He goes pilot, then he goes doctor, then he goes lawyer. And all he's really doing is is selling confidence um, mm-hmm. and i think there are people today uh, who get by on life by just faking a little confidence that they don't have until later mm-hmm. when they get it after they've i don't know been doing it for a while but man <clears throat> watching this for this uh podcast bump this movie even further up my spielberg list mm-hmm. um i think it's in the top five for me of his all time um it just it's almost flawless yeah um, tone the music the acting performances uh, the, the script the dialogue the length it's just all singing he's an orchestra and conductor and the musicians are all in tune <clears throat> yeah two hours and 20 minutes and didn't feel like it no. uh ne- never once does it feel like it because there isn't any scenes that just kind of like super drag on or anything uh, a couple other scenes that i uh wanted to mention the jennifer garner making another appearance in this uh in this podcast has a has a scene as a, a model that everybody knows but apparently isn't above selling herself for sex either um and there's a point where she's like if you if you saw me down in the gift shop how much would you pay for me and so he so uh yeah, you know, Frank starts naming off n- in numbers like 300 and 500. They end up on a thousand. Um, and he finds another opportunity to scam someone, uh, in, a, in a split second. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to have to go down and cash one of these checks. 
And he's like, all I've got is this $1,400 check. And, uh, and she's like, are they going to cash a check at this time of time of night and everything? And he's like, he's like, well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they're, yeah, they're going to, it's like, um, uh, uh, but, uh, she ends up convincing him to give her the check and then saying, well, we, we agreed on a thousand. So I don't want to give you a $1,400 check. And then she gives him $400, which is 400 free dollars. And he gets to have sex with Jennifer Garner. Yeah. Because uh, that money came out of nowhere I mean, mm-hmm. out of the ether for that check. And yeah. I, am I wrong for thinking that, that, and maybe this is the point. Am I wrong for thinking that's extremely overpriced experience in the, in the sixties? Like, thousand dollars i don't know for a, a model who's known who's on covers uh magazine covers i guess i always forget that part but i don't know um i don't know i i i i didn't solicit sex back in the 60s jeremy i don't only, know only uh, recently have you started can only tell it. you the modern uh <laughs> uh price for that uh the other thing i like i don't know this was a simple scene but martin sheen uh is is telling frank that you know you came here to ask my daughter's hand in marriage and everything and you're here to get my permission and dicaprio sort of evades that question but martin sheen keeps saying go ahead yeah. ask me the question because he really wants to be asked that's what's a, such a funny thing about that that scene to me he really wants to be asked like this is this is the biggest honor of his life to have someone asked for his daughter's hand in marriage and he's one he's just like soaking it in uh and everything um i love the scene too where he's in school and the girl is trying to give that uh that doctor's excuse or whatever that and uh he goes he goes he's like uh he's like you're gonna have to fold it and he's like she's like what he's like well you and your mom he's like that's a fake right he's like your mom your mom when she gives you a note at the beginning of the day you fold it there's a crease in the middle and she and and then she's kind of like looks at him gives this little smile and then decides to give it a nice little fold and so that so that but no that's the thing nobody's going to nobody's going to nobody in that office is probably going to look at it and go oh there's no crease in the middle but that's the attention to detail that he has gotten to this point uh and 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 like figuring out these these little nuances that get you there i love too that he goes to that bank and he tries to do that old his what his dad did and like that whole like must have slipped off your wrist or whatever and he tries to do all that that charming type of thing and the bank manager guy comes over and says who are you uh you know like uh why are you here (laughs) and then later on when he's a pilot the guy looks like, oh no, he ran into the guy again. The guy is going to catch him because he knew from last time. And the guy's like, glad to have your business here, son, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't even remember that that dude tried to scam him earlier. And now because he's a pilot, all which, he sees is the yeah, uniform. Yeah. <clears throat> which is another weird thing to me to think about uh, pilots being this kind of uh, rarefied celebrity air where people wanted their signatures and stuff like well, this that. was i mean it makes sense for the era um just because i think you know i remember from mad men talking a little bit about passenger airline passenger travel that in the 50s and 60s it really exploded uh mm-hmm. and it was this new thing um mm-hmm. and so who are these wizards that fly these right. metal and that kind of makes sense but that's not the case anymore at all I feel bad for yeah <clears throat> um so yes catch me if you can i uh um 
this is the big recommend. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we haven't even, I don't think we even touched, I think every scene in this movie nearly, you could talk, have some discussion about, yep. uh, about it and everything. And uh, we've probably missed a few that I'd love to talk about, but it's time to talk about the uh, big secret double feature. Be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? A dirty little secret. i tell you something I've never told anyone. Double, 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 double mm-hmm. feature. Well, I, I nearly went Thomas Crown Affair, but you have already double featured or small recommended that, um, mm-hmm. and we're gonna big recommend that eventually anyway because it's mid-tier. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think that would have been a good fit. I hovered over Hannah for quite mm-hmm. a while, only because of the bad father teaches kid how to do their trade. And kid goes off on his own and is being hunted by cops. But the tone didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And the tone yeah. doesn't have to fit for a double feature. You could do a horror and a comedy if there's enough in common. But I, I feel like this one is all about tone. And as much as I want to change it, because Josh Zero in the chat already said it, I'm not going to do it. It's uh, Matchstick Men. Um, yeah. <clears throat> with yeah. Nicolas Cage and it's Ridley Scott. Um, and... There is a con, a con man who has done frequent cons. There is a child who is learning how to do the cons from dad. Um, And I just feel like um, the drama comedy balance of this movie uh, and then the themes themselves about identity and who are we and what do we pass on to our kids, uh, whether we mean to or not. I feel Mm -hmm. like Matchstick Men and Catch Me If You Can would be an excellent double feature <clears throat> yes it would i ain't actually thought about matchstick men for something else recently we just did too um but uh, i think matchstick men is on my list of possible big recommends down the down the uh line uh, as it should be man it's it's fantastic and it's one that i think a lot of people missed so <clears throat> yeah absolutely all right that's an excellent choice all right so now what is everybody's homework for next week all right so I'm going to give you a homework and then I'm going to give you a Christmas present because uh, your homework is the film talk radio from 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This is an Oliver Stone film starring Eric Bogosian, who also wrote the script with Oliver Stone. It is a drama about a fiery uh, talk radio host. Um, clearly at this point in time, I think riffing on what Howard Stern had become um, in terms of the shock jock persona, only going mm-hmm. further with it to the point where this guy basically insults every single one of his callers. Um, and uh, he starts getting some threats. And uh, <clears throat> you've got Alec Baldwin in here. You've got um, uh, Michael Wincott, really Michael young Michael Wincott. Wincott. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the Christmas present is coal at first because this is not available for streaming anywhere. You're going to have to pay to rent this movie. And I have wait. I have sat on this movie for six months, waiting for it to show up on a streaming service to do on this show. I'm tired of waiting. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Discord, and if you message me or tag me on Discord, and you cannot afford to rent this movie, let's be good citizens to each other. Um, <clears throat> I am going to buy and send you a five dollar Amazon gift code so that you can nice. rent this movie on Amazon, and that will be my Christmas present to you. Nice. Um, <clears throat> 
So, um, Talk Radio, it's one of my very favorite movies that I discovered early in my love of film that nobody had ever told me anything about. I didn't know who Oliver Stone was when I saw this movie. Um, and uh, it's just great. It's just great. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to see it again. Haven't seen it in 10, 15 years. Sounds like you've seen it before. I saw it uh, for the first time, and I think because of your recommendation uh, back in the day, probably four or five years ago, I saw this um, for the first time. And it was one of the uh, missing Oliver Stones that I had never seen. Mm. So, um, and Eric Bogosian, there's a guy who is really, is an interesting actor to me. I, I, I feel like I need to know more about Eric Bogosian. Uh, for some, for some reason, I don't think he's just an, he's a, he's a writer cause he wrote talk, right? He wrote this, but I think he's a playwright maybe, or he, he, he's, his writing is his main thing is yes. what I believe Eric Bogosian does. And the first time I ever saw him, he was in that movie gossip. Do you remember gossip? Yep. <laughs> he yep. was, he was the teacher in gossip. So I was like, I was like, who is this dude, man? He's such a kind of like a likable asshole uh and everything and he's like that in this too although he kind of really goes super far uh as a as a radio dj dj in this but anyway yeah, yeah that'll be interesting and speaking of which i think there's one movie that i have on my list that you can't even stream you can't even rent it <laughs> and it pisses me off because it's such a good movie and i've got the blu-ray i i found a blu-ray of it. oh wow uh and and one day i will announce this movie and see if anybody can find it somewhere <laughs> that they can watch it because it deserves a recotopia treatment so all right i'll um, keep hoping i keep hoping yeah <clears throat> anyway so um all right all right we're gonna get a minutes. couple questions in. yeah i've got a few minutes for questions questions question question i got something to say i want the truth i am listening i want the truth you can't handle the truth this is good radio. Here we go. What is mm -hmm. a welcome modern movie trend? Um, so I, I, I wrote something kind of based on what you said in our prep for this podcast. So I guess you go ahead and answer this question first and then I will. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, I just, I, I went, uh, well, I don't have Michael Giacchino to score everything. Uh, mm -hmm. Ortega and Caitlin Deaver and everything. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> or putting specific people in charge of long-term creative visions for major properties, which has also come to pass now with DC. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, Giacchino is everywhere and I have yet to tire of his music and mm -hmm. that's a part each score in a way uh, that tangles my earbuds. And uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's a welcome movie trend is him and Jenna Ortega showing up everywhere. And, and we can tie Michael Giacchino back into alias which is where mm. we first heard him probably mm -hmm. and yep. jennifer garner makes another appearance on the show yeah, yeah. another appearance and then we'll do dudes where's dude where's my car later somehow, somehow. <laughs> 13 going on 30 we'll get to some yeah 13 going on 30 um uh, yeah based on what you were saying there like the the stuff like jenna ortega and caitlin deaver and these these type of actors um it, it reminds me of that there's I, and I don't, I, I, I don't know positively one way or another, but I think that's what we, we're, we're getting more likable and more, uh, awesome actresses like this because of the me too movement that happened mm. a few years ago. Mm. Uh, the industry is, it feels like it's safer 
than it was uh, just five years ago. Mm. Uh, maybe it's not. That could be a very naive thing that I'm saying there. So I, I'm not saying that, you know, as a fact. Um, but it, you've got to imagine that all of that that went on a few years ago sort of started opening the door for like, Hey, you know what? When I go into this business now, I don't feel like I'm going to be harassed or told to do something that I'm not, that I don't want to do and everything. So we're getting like these terrific likable actors like Jenna Ortega and Caitlin Deaver. So that's sort of what I think is trending in that for that. Uh, uh, so that's, that's, that's what I came up with on that. I think that's what, you know, it could be completely, I, I could be completely wrong, but that's what seems to be the trend. So, yeah, I, uh, see some good responses over here in the chat. Uh, Jets Mets says overhead drone shots. I agree. There's an overhead drone shot in prey when they're doing their Jurassic mm. Park homage where yeah. it's chasing her through the long grass. And then I remember, I think it was the second season of Fargo, uh, mm-hmm. on TV has a chase of a group of people chasing one man in a snowy woods that is shot like 300 feet above with a drone. And I'd never seen anything like that on television. And I think as much as we're getting overuse of drone establishing shots in documentaries, uh, I think uh, we're finding, as Michael Bay proved with Ambulance, we're finding movies are starting to make really interesting use of drone footage. Uh, So I agree. And then Nolan says long shots. I think he means one takes or... um, seeming one takes and yeah, yeah i yep. do feel like those are on the rise over the last five to ten years and i do think that's good as long as there's a reason for it uh mm-hmm. like the the one shot episode of the bear that puts you literally in the middle of the anxiety of working in that kitchen in that moment yeah. Yeah. um 1917 is another entire movie that is sh- cut together to look like one single take uh let's see if we got any there good yeah. Uh, less studio interference with big name directors like James Gunn mm-hmm. and Jordan Peele. I think that is probably a, a trend. Um, ambulance. Some people don't like the drone footage in ambulance. So I guess I'm. I, that, it, the, the, I think it might be the best part of the movie. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of liked it myself. That and but... Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, man, because he's yeah. all in. Um, yeah. Let's do another um, right. TV question. What are your top five TV series, U.S. definition, not U.K., thank you, uh, finales okay. of all time? <clears throat> um, I think we're going to have some overlap here, but uh, so fair. sorry to steal your thunder, but uh, Breaking Bad uh, has mm. a great finale. Mm. Sopranos, call me a huge fan of that cut to black. Me too, uh, God. Um, huge, huge fan. The Good Place had a great finale. Um, cheers had a great finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of those, uh, one of those very emotional, like, well, we're just closing up the bar type of endings. I just uh, really, really enjoyed that. And Futurama had a, had a fantastic series finale, which of course they're rebooting the mo- the show. So maybe all of that's moot. I don't know. Anyway, the, the series finale Futurama was good. So those are my top five. It's uh, I like the finale of Frasier a great deal. I realize I like Frasier more than most. And that, episode isn't the fullest of laughs but Mm -hmm. the way it ties everything together 
and sort of says, okay, Frazier's going to leave Seattle and go on a new adventure to a new city. And, you know, we don't know what that's going to be until now in 2023. We're going to find out because he's, mm-hmm. uh, he can't really love. Yeah. Um, but I really like the finale of Frazier. Unlike Friends, where the finale was just like, uh, let's do whatever we can for 20 minutes yeah. to get Ra- Ross and Rachel back together. Yeah. Um, I love the F- Sopranos, like you said, Breaking Bad, Dick Van Dyke Show, um, mm. The Wire, uh, I think had a pretty good finale. Mm. Um, yeah, and I see people saying MASH. Uh, obviously one of the most famous and yeah mash has that tremendous like they're he's flying up in the helicopter and they've spelt out that like goodbye or whatever so that he can see it from the air and everything it's a really yeah. fun it, it's a really still tremendous watch finale think so because because tv remember t- you know tv was such such a different animal back in the day yeah you had like all, three channels then <laughs> all people had to do at that point by the way, people are asking like which Futurama finale and and uh, and uh, and uh, was it who's it got it who got it Finn Finn got it. It's the one where they where Leela and Fry are old, Get old. and they're together yeah. and they're and they're together at the end. So yeah, I, I I forgot that Futurama ended several times, uh, but that that last one uh, before we start getting all the reboot episodes, I think is the one. So. Yeah, the uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer finale is, is really good. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, seeing saying almost fire. Is that a show? You mean saying elsewhere? Somebody else said saying elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, saying elsewhere. Yeah, almost yeah. fire. I think is a movie. Well, and Newhart has a good one too. The yep. yeah, uh, that one that one's a lot. Waking of Waking up in another sitcom. <clears throat> yep, <laughs> yep. Better Call Saul. Um, lots of did, good did, stuff. Did you did you you finished Better Call Saul right? You ended up now, watching. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I wasn't I wasn't a fan, a big huge fan of that finale. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't in the right place. No, I'm I'm kind of the same way. But I've I've always been on the edge about that show. Like I just, mm-hmm. it's one of the most high quality unnecessary pieces of entertainment ever made. Most of the quality that it contains is utterly dependent on breaking bad to the point Mm -hmm. where it just became a cavalcade of breaking bad characters. I feel like waiting for the Jesse and Walt cameo completely undermined a lot of the narrative of this season. So, well, and also the Bob Odenkirk stuff got so good with him and he and Kim. Yeah. They They didn't need it. They didn't need the breaking bad stuff. I like the breaking bad stuff though. I mean, I was, I mean, I agree with you in, in, uh, in some part, uh, but you know, I, I guess they didn't have enough show for just it, for it to just be Saul all the way through it. They had to find a way to make it breaking bad all over again. Anyway, uh, I know why people like that better call Saul finale. I understand it. I just, I, I, I didn't grab me like everybody else. And that, and another problem too, is that everybody was saying how great this finale was before I saw it. So it was built up way too much before I watched it. All right. Um, well, I think we're we'll right. probably gonna need to wrap it up there for today. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, the, uh, homework for next week is talk radio we'll be back on the live end of it in tuesday again mm-hmm. uh next week uh but uh, talk radio oliver stone 1988 starring eric bogosian and alec baldwin and michael wincott um and uh yeah McGillian. and and yeah john c mcgilly and uh and yeah uh, jeremy says on discord if you uh you know want to want to see this movie he'll give you an amazon code to watch it so i'll do it i'll do uh, it 
So anyway, uh, thank you guys out in, out there in chat for coming out to, uh, watch us today and listen to us. Thanks to all of our listeners who come in. Uh, uh that's going to be it for this one. We'll see, see you guys. Have a Merry Christmas. Bye. We'll see you on the other side. Bye. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins. Chat with us on the CinemaSins Discord at discord.gg slash CinemaSins or CinemaSins Twitter at CinemaSins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at CinemaSins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at CinemaSins.com. <laughs> Ultrasound Buddies! One of my biggest laughs from friends. Uh, was just on an episode where Ross hasn't had sex in six months mm -hmm. and Joey has all the sex. So mm -hmm. Ross comes to talk to Joey and he says, hey, I, I kind of want to talk to you about something really uncomfortable. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. And Joey stands up and he goes, sure. How about you showering with your mom? <laughs> <laughs> and after everybody laughs, Ross goes, I actually had a topic in mind. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know why, but lately I've been spending time thinking about what are my favorite individual biggest laughs from my favorite sitcoms. Like, mm -hmm. I know on Friends, it's the episode I told you about before with, where Joey uses silly putty to make it look like he's not circumcised at an mm -hmm. audition. Mm -hmm. And then the silly putty falls between his legs. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I think on Seinfeld, it's when George produces the golf ball from the episode with the whale and the <clears throat> where Kramer hit the golf ball into the whale's blowhole. Oh. I always doubt myself. I keep thinking there's something I'm not remembering. There's a bigger laugh somewhere I'm not remembering. Yeah. And it's also a futile waste of my time but i enjoy doing it yeah yeah i enjoy trying to figure out what are the what is the absolute high mark of mm. this show that i love mm. <clears throat> um, i can tell you some of the low points of all of these shows yeah i think i don't know I, and i'd be the same way if i were to go through these shows but seinfeld for me i think was the the big jfk second spitter thing was probably my fun, the, one of the funniest things for me because yeah. it was just yeah. you know it's a perfect jfk spoof uh, it really and it, is. And it's got fucking Wayne Knight, who's in the movie, uh, do, like doing a scene out of JFK. I thought, it was, I think it's just, it, it, they did that again. They did that with Basic Instinct as well, because he's also in that movie. Oh, interesting. You're right. You're right. They did. Because there's, uh, it's the, it's the, uh, whatever the one where they're, I think they're, they're questioning Jerry about something jerry's like very cool about everything and oh it's the mail fraud yeah <laughs> and newman is like it's very hot in here isn't it real hot and he's like mm, i actually feel pretty quite comfortable did you watch uh, any of that world cup final yeah i watched all the, the the final i didn't watch after the u.s got knocked out i didn't watch any of the other games leading up to the final and then i watched the final yeah, I, I was kind of the same. I watched the U.S. games, and then I watched one or two other games. Mm -hmm. And then I just made sure to watch the final because I knew it was two of the best teams, and we had this whole messy story, which yeah. turned out perfectly. I was watching this morning the guy who announces soccer who's famous for going, goal! Yeah, yeah. He called that game mm -hmm. uh, for Telemundo, and he's Argentinian, and... So one of the sports blogs I like has video 
of perspective on him oh, in the I stadium see that. as he calls the. I'll find the link and send it to you. It's uh, <laughs> That's so amazing. I'd love to see that. He because you know he's a pro, but he lets a little bit of that joy come through. It reminds. Well, I mean, it's not as emotional, but it's. I I, I do love seeing. Uh, the camera shots of announcers during their big calls. They did that in, there was a couple of famous ones from uh, women's college basketball final four a few years ago. I don't know if it was Kevin Harlan or I don't know who it was, but it was one of these things where the, it was like two games went down to the wire and they had the camera on the announcers and, and, uh, and they are sitting there, you know, you know, we hear, we all, all we hear is like the very professional, this is the call or whatever, but you see them, they're all like looking at each other and they're like, like grabbing on each other and stuff. And like, awesome. you know, like, like, you know, like, like, oh my God, did you see that finish? That's amazing. And I keep hearing that Tom Brady is just going to be just going to leave Tampa Bay at the end of this season and be with some other team next season playing at 46. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Honestly, obviously, if you put him in the right situation, he can win another Super Bowl. Yeah. And he had that the first year in Tampa, and you can't keep that together year over yep. year. So if another team has everything except a QB, God, don't be the Colts. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Colts have everything except a QB. But yeah, uh, <clears throat> and the less said after this weekend about the Colts, the better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I do think the Patriots ended up looking stupider than the Colts this weekend with that. Oh, that was one of the final play. silliest plays ever. Goofballs. It was goofballs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was researching yesterday. This is how I waste my time. I was researching Leo because I had this hunch that he's worked with, uh, yeah, produced 51, acted in 47. Uh, I had this hunch that he'd worked with more great directors than anyone. Mm -hmm. So I looked it up, and um, <clears throat> he's... I realized after I got the list done, I was like, oh, I'm right. There's like 16 top-notch, amazing directors here. But then I went and did Brad Pitt, and it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. These A-list guys um, who really want to act, they make yeah. their way around. They work with Ridley Scott. They work with Spielberg. They work with um, Nolan. They work with Tarantino. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a, there, there was, I think, I'm trying to think. Tom Cruise has a, has a pretty good director list. Of his own, um, he he he, I, he doesn't have a Nolan on there, but like, uh, it's like I know he worked with Scorsese, I know he worked with Francis Ford Coppola, I know he worked with uh, Spielberg a couple of times. Um, mm. um, you know, the, then you have to go through like you know, was it Tony Scott, Ron Howard, um, Brian De Palma. Yeah, it, it's it's a pretty good list, and I, I'm not even I'm not even scratching the surface of how many great directors he's worked with. But but yeah, I know he's got a lot of legendary ones there. Everybody has their favorites too. Like Leo's worked with Scorsese, like I don't know how to what five times. Yeah, it's at least five. Yeah, so <clears throat> um, <clears throat> like Gangs, you know, Aviator, Hanks. Departed, uh, so, what the island of, of oh Shutter of Island memories yeah Shutter Island <laughs> <laughs> Baz twice Tarantino yeah. twice Ridley Scott Ed Zwick yeah 
mm-hmm. just making his way through all the best directors. Yeah. That's why he probably only makes one movie every three or four years at this point. Yeah. He's, got an, actor, he, he's got an Eastwood film, but it was not very good. Jay Edgar. No. No. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's, it's, uh, even he, I'm not really sold on in that movie. Like, it's not, yeah. that I don't think, it's not that I think he's bad. It's just that I think everything about that movie missed the mark. A mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. And I don't like The Aviator, but I'd rather watch that than watch yeah. uh, Jay Edgar. Mm-hmm. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.